0: This is the remix. Hamilton puts up the floater. This time, he is able to get himself some room. He is able to knock it down. And the Rebels with a one-point lead with a minute 35 to go.
1: Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio.
0: It will be UNLV ball out of bounds. 3.9 to go under the Fresno State basket. Let's see. Rebels uh, line up four with Bryce at the top of the key. Closest to Nick Blake. And then... Three other players. Now they break. Ball comes into Caleb Grill. Caleb loses the dribble up ahead to David. He threw it away, and the Rebels don't get a shot off.
2: The Las Vegas Journal Review. I
0: just crushed my dreams.
2: Boom. Sadness. That's the one.
0: So this is a lost season for UNLV basketball, barring a miracle run in the Mountain West tournament, something they haven't done in a very, very long time. UNLV season uh, is going to end without any postseason play again. Um, But that just means we can already look ahead to next year because UNLV has uh, joined the MGM Resorts main event tournament. Uh, They've played in this before uh, in Marvin Menzies' second year. They played in it, that's when they beat Utah. Uh, but according to Kansas City, uh, Kansas.com, they will play in it with Arizona, Michigan and Wichita State. So, you know, we will play two of those three teams um, to give you a quick background. Over the last decade, Arizona, Michigan and Wichita State have been in the top 100 of Ken Palm every single year. So there's a very good chance that all three of these teams are good teams for your resume next season. Uh, What do you make of the schedule that we're starting to get the first bits of information for for year three under TJ Otzelberger?
1: Um, I like it. I'm hoping like everyone there's fans. Uh, I think we all hope that Uh, which, you know, you essentially should give you a nice crowd. there at t T-Mobile arena. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the roster is going to look like. I don't know how he's going to rebuild it, but I want him in these events. I'd much rather see this then them play you know big sky teams or whatever they're going to play they're going to have some of those anyway they always do they probably should you have to balance out your schedule but look anytime they're an event like this I, I like it for them and you want to play good people I mean Michigan could win the national championship this year we don't know who's going to be back from them but Juwan Howard has the number one recruiting class of the country right now so I, I'm just excited to watch Michigan we'll see if Arizona can bounce back they've obviously had their issues off the court but yeah and Wichita State just had a big a big win the other day uh beat Houston so yeah, I think this is cool. I think it's cool anytime they're in an event like this.
0: So we don't know what the entire schedule will be, but this year they had games against Cal, UCLA, SMU, and then the A10 Challenge where they were going to play VCU. All of those games were, were wiped out because of COVID. Now, I, I don't know. We don't know exactly how they'll reschedule those. If they'll reschedule all of those, but if they do reschedule all of those games pretty much all those teams except Cal are pretty lock solid top 100 teams. Mm -hmm. So what you're looking at, if they reschedule those, is UNLV is going to have five, maybe six games at least against top 100 opponents. And depending on how good Michigan, Arizona, UCLA is, they might have two to three teams that are legitimately top 20 type of teams. So if you're looking at the schedule and what UNLV could be playing next year, It looks like they're setting up to have a really, really difficult non-conference schedule. It looks like they're setting themselves up to have three, maybe four shots at quad one games and another three shots or so at quad two games. And if that's what they end up doing, if that's the way the schedule looks when next season starts, that's an excellent way to set up an NCAA tournament run. Because if you're in the Mountain West and you want to get in that large spot, the best way to do that is to play a difficult non-conference schedule. And you you need to win some of those games too. But ultimately, it's better to lose to a top 20 team by two than it is to beat a sub 200 team by like 15. It, It helps you more. It just does. So you do have to win some of those games, but it's setting you up to where you could actually make an NCAA tournament run. And then the question will become, can they actually get a roster that's good enough to make that NCAA tournament run and win any of those games?
1: See, that's that's the key. This is a schedule that you should have in year three, right? Th- that you should have this schedule in year three. Again, the biggest mystery is who are they going to put on the court to, to have to face the schedule to make a run at the NCAA tournament, which again, in year three, as we've said often, he should have to do. You should be in the conversation the entire season next year for being on the bubble, or for being near the top of the conference, much like whether it's Boise, San Diego State, Utah State this year. They have to be one of those three or four next year in his year three. So I love the schedule you're throwing out there, but I can't say it's going to be good for them because I have no idea who's going to be on the floor, and we both agree it can't be this team. So that's the big mystery. It can't be the team he put on the floor last night against that kind of schedule because it'll be the same old thing.
0: Now, in Otzelberger's uh, time at UNLV, in non-conference play, they're 0-9 against top 100 teams. They've beaten some top 100 teams in Mountain West play, but non-conference games only, they have not beaten the top 100 team in non-conference play. So if they put out seven or eight teams next year on the schedule that are top 100 you obviously can't lose them all. If you lose them all, you're not going to the NCAA tournament. But, you know, if you can knock off a team that's a quad one game and then go, you know, three and two or something against teams that are in that quad two, then you're giving yourself a legitimate chance to make the NCAA tournament, but the roster is not nearly good enough. What I find interesting about college basketball schedules, because unlike football, these are made on a much shorter time frame. You might schedule some games a few years out, but for the most part, you put most of your schedule together, you know, within the 12 months before the season actually starts. So in college basketball, your non-conference schedule is usually reflective of how good the coach expects to be, right? If you don't think your team is any good, like you don't think you have a shot at the NCAA tournament, you're probably going to schedule a pretty weak non-conference schedule. so You can have some wins and, you know, play some teams that are closer to your competition. But if you're expecting to go to the NCAA tournament, you're gonna schedule difficult. You're gonna have a hard schedule. And if that's what UNLV does, not that this is should be a surprise to anybody, but that would sort of be indicating that TJ Opselberger is looking at year three saying, I've got to make a run at the NCA tournament. And the way to do that is to play the most difficult schedule possible. So yeah. if we if it ends up, they're in the MGM uh main event tournament and then they're playing VCU, UCLA, SMU, and maybe there's another big name team that's added to that then it's fair to say that Otzelberger's expectations for next year are to make the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. And they should be. Uh, He should be scheduling
1: like that. Now, again, uh, we don't know when a lot of these, you you just mentioned games that obviously the contracts have been around for a while. I don't know when this MGM was scheduled. Maybe it's been scheduled for a long time and then the news just came out. Uh, So I guess my question is it's right of him to schedule this, but, has he now looked back and said when he started scheduling all these did he think his team was going to be <laughs> a lot better than the one he has um that might be the case like i said these these things are scheduled out far in advance to get teams locked in um i'd be interested to know that like comparative to when he said we have to play a great schedule next year to where he came to the mindset which we both believe he probably has to where i got to make a lot of changes
0: well yeah and i would i would hope that he's sitting there saying i got to play this schedule so i have a chance And to have a chance to play to actually win these games, I gotta go add a bunch of players or better players than what we have now. I I would assume that's his thought process at the moment, that he's gotta go get guys that are better than what he currently has, because otherwise you're gonna play that difficult schedule and you're gonna be 0 8 in those games. And you're gonna be sitting there looking at a a two and ten non-conference schedule and people are gonna be looking around saying, What what the hell happened here in three? You're yeah. two and 10, you might not survive that if that's the case. So you put together the difficult non conference schedule, but you also have to put together the roster that can beat that non conference schedule or at least compete in that non conference right. schedule and hopefully set yourself up for an NCAA tournament. Ed, all I want, all I want, Ed, is to be sitting here 12 months from now, one year from now. I want to be telling you about UNLV's quad two victories that's all i want in life because it, the, the ncaa introduced the net rankings and quad one wins quad two wins and unlb hasn't even been relevant in the ncaa tournament for us to ever mention net rankings or us to ever mention their quad one or quad two wins they're not they're never relevant i just want them to be on the bubble so that we can right. debate if they have enough quad one wins next year that's all I want. You don't even have to make it. Just give me, give me the little bit of hope that you're on the bubble, and we can say why or why not we think you and L V should get it. If, if they were in
1: contention all year on the bubble, and I could tell you that, you know what? At this point, with a week to go, they're pretty much in the in the draw. They're like an eight or nine. So you say, all right. Even if you lose the conference tournament, you're probably in. But you'd have to give up Chick Fil A for three months. Which would you choose?
0: Oh, I don't. Oh, I'll, I want Chick Fil A. So what? Well, <laughs> Jeez.
1: You just said all you want in life is for them to beat quad true. two people.
0: Might <laughs> might have been a little might a little might have been a little hyperbolic there. Um Jesus. Because yeah, I don't know. No, give me Chick-fil-A. I'm not I'm not sacrificing Chick-fil-A for for UNLV to be any good. Are you kidding me? Now, if you ask me like, you know, the Astros win the World Series, yeah, I'll give up Chick-fil-A for a long time for that. But UNLV, uh, no no, I just I just want some damn relevancy, but yeah. I'm not sacrificing my heart shaped tray of chicken minis. I, I want to go back to one
1: thing off the call that opened this segment were they trying to free Jenkins last night when grill came up and took the pass it, it ended in disaster it but I was good. trying to figure out what with it was like 3.4 seconds so it's it's you know it's fast when he catches it and he catches it pretty deep on the other end so what were they trying to set up there
0: yeah it sh- it, it should have worked because Jenkins came open they were trying to get Jenkins cutting across the floor to okay. catch and shoot and what, shoot what have what would have been, yeah. you know, a 30-foot-three or something right. like that. But Caleb Grill caught it, and Fresno State immediately double-teamed him. And he got he lost his dribble. It looked like he froze for a second and never even really yeah, got the pass over. up yeah. to Jenkins. But, like, it – I mean, again, you're going the length of the court in four seconds would right. Jenkins have made a 35-foot-three. Yeah. I don't know. But if Caleb Grill gets the pass, Jenkins did come open because they doubled Grill – and for some reason left the best shooter on the team running down the floor unguarded. So Fresno State didn't do a great job on that possession either. No, they just got lucky that Grill couldn't get a pass I, away. I actually thought, and I think
1: the announcer said this too, I thought I thought Hudson was going to foul right away.
0: Yeah, and that's it. And it they did. It looked like Caleb Grill thought he was about to be fouled. Like right, that. Right. I don't know if that was part of the issue that Caleb Grill thought he was about to get fouled and like covered up to not lose it or something. Cause it was, it looks strange, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you're up three with, with four seconds left. If they catch it in the backcourt. I mean, but if he thought he was going to get fouled, he better have checked it close to the back. Right. You know, right. At the basket. Cause you're down three. Right. He should have turned and, and <laughs> yeah. turned into the defender and thrown it <laughs> at the rim and try to get yes. three free throws. Yes. <laughs> that would have been much better than what happened. What happened was not good. No, not good at all. (laughs) All right, coming up next, we'll jump inside Bischoff's Briefs. The rules of Scrabble are simple. First, each player pretends
1: to mix the tiles while trying to feel for the letter A.
2: Bischoff's
1: Briefs. The game does not officially begin until one player reminds all the others that the first word scores double. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications.
2: Bishop's Briefs
1: Players then take turns laying down words until someone does a bad job hiding the fact that they drew a blank. Bischoff's Briefs Upon seeing the blank draw, each player must make a bad joke about the tiles in their possession. Bischoff's Briefs Play continues until each turn takes longer than open heart surgery, and the game ends when one person uses the last of their letters. Even though at this point no one likes that person, they're still referred to as the winner.
2: Bischoff's Briefs
1: And that's how you scrabble.
0: So, after UNLV lost to Fresno State last night, I decided to look into the worst losses of the TJ Otzelberger era. uh, Because... Interestingly enough, he actually did a very good job in year one of not losing to teams outside the top 200 uh, in Kenpom. They he was six and zero against teams outside the top 200 in year one, but he now has two losses to teams outside the top 200 this year. A little bit of context: uh, Marvin Menzies in his final season went ten and three against teams outside the top 200, uh, but he did not lose to one in the previous year when he had Brandon McCoy. But I have for you the five worst losses of the TJ Otzelberger era the first one we're going back to last season happened against Cal uh, they went to Cal Cal ended that year 153 in Kenpom. not a very good Pac-12 team but UNLB lost on the road at Cal in overtime now losing on the road at Cal really isn't that bad But the problem was that UNLV had a 65-56 lead over Cal with six minutes to play. Cal closed regulation on an 11-2 run and then scored the first five points of overtime to win that game. So UNLV playing a fairly bad Pac-12 team blew it late and lost the game. That was the third game of the Atzelberger era. Things might have been a little bit different if they had won that game and then been able to win a couple of more in non-conference play. The fourth worst loss of the TJ Otzelberger era came against Texas State in year one. Texas State was actually, a, ended up being a solid team in year one, but UNLV basically played Texas State even for the entire game, or at least for the first 30 minutes of the game. But Texas State went on a 16 to two run in the Thomas and Mac to pull away from UNLV and win that game. Losing to Texas State, not good. When you lose to a team that nobody's ever heard of, number three on the list is the one we saw last night to Fresno State. Fresno State Ken Palm rank is two oh six now. Uh, UNLV, it's, it's a bad team. It's one of the worst teams that UNLV has lost to uh, in the last five years. They're they're not good. They're not good at all. And UNLV blew it down the stretch. I mean, they actually took the lead with you know, two under two minutes to go, but then they collapsed in the final 90 seconds. It was not good. Number two on the list is last year's loss to Pacific. Uh, the Pacific loss is probably the most uh, famous loss in the Alzelberger era because after losing to Pacific, TJ Alzelberger benched some of his starters. Bryce Hamilton only played like seven minutes in the next game against Robert Morris. They did not, that was the, eat, sleep, and breathe basketball game for UNLV. That's how uh, unhappy T.J. Otzelberger was with their performance because they lost at home to a team that that wasn't that good. They eat, sleep, and breathe basketball, and diving for loose balls is is really important to them. But the number one loss, the worst loss in the T.J. Otzelberger era, happened this year. It was the first game of the season, Montana State. Now, Montana State is outside the top 200 in Kentucky. They're not very good, Um, but this was the reason this is number one for two different reasons. First off, first game of this season, right? There's been a pandemic. A lot of the non-conference got wiped out. There was some excitement. UNLV basketball was back. You're happy to see it. They lose to Montana State, but it was also excitement because Bryce Hamilton and David Jenkins were going to be a dominant duo, right? UNLV was, this was their warm up to go to Maui. They could could prove that they were a decent team. They could prove that they had a shot to make the NCAA tournament in Maui. They didn't even get to Maui before they lost to Montana State. So the excitement level there for the first game quickly killed off the excitement for the rest of the season. But not only did UNLV lose this game, they got blown out. This was the game they were losing by 18 at halftime. You're down 18 at halftime to Montana State. A complete disaster for a season opener at home. They ended up losing the game by 13. But it was perfect foreshadowing for what this season has become. So those are your five worst losses of the T.J. Otzelberger era. Montana State being the worst of the five.
1: I'm very upset with you uh, because... My rundown said you're going to tell me if David, David Jenkins is coming back, and now I've got—I was prepared for that. <laughs> I had some comments on that. I had some actual thoughts on that, and then you totally went 180 on me and started talking about that uh, disastrous of a loss in Montana State. So hopefully, you will push David Jenkins to tomorrow because I've got a lot of say on that.
0: Tune in tomorrow when we discuss if <laughs> David Jenkins will be back. Hopefully, we can hear everybody tomorrow. That would be that's, nice.
1: That's the first game where. People were, you know, I mean, David Jenkins, I I think, you know, in the big run, I go back and kind of wonder if it was just too much hype on our end, you know what I mean? Because that Montana State game, you walked away saying, oh, wait a minute. Um, And then the year has played out. So I do remember that Montana State game. I was there for it. And it was not pretty. It was not good. And I don't think anyone maybe thought the season would go as it did. I mean, maybe you're saying, hey, it's the first game. They got Maui and Asheville. Maybe they're thinking ahead. But uh, it didn't happen that way. And now they are where they're at.
0: Uh, so the idea of too much hype there is interesting because if you, I look don't know at, if
1: that's true though.
0: I don't know. Well, if I, well, if you look at David Jenkins, right, he's, he's averaging about 14 points per game right now, mm-hmm. which it obviously is not 20, but we talked about it in the preseason. No, guys don't. Yeah. Guys definitely. don't average 20 when they take a step up and level, no. but 14, 15 points per game is, is still solid. And David Jenkins is shooting 41% from three, even after last night when he couldn't hit one. He's still shooting 41% from three. And again, it's not the 45% he hit from three as last year's South Dakota State. But again, you take the step up, your numbers usually fall a little bit. If you had told me in the preseason that David Jenkins was gonna average 14, 15 points per game and he was gonna be shooting 41% from three, I'd have said that's a great season for David Jenkins and UNLV's offense is, is probably fine. But what I think happened with the hype there. I don't know that it's the fault of like media or fans that David Jenkins was overhyped. I think it's Otzelberger and how much he put on David Jenkins being more than he is. Because now that we've seen Jenkins at this level, he's a shooter like that. That's what David right. Jenkins is. Right. He's a, he's a right. shooter. Like he's not going to get to the rim. He's a shooter and he's shot the ball really well this year. And even some of his mid range shots, he hasn't made nearly enough of them, but he knocked last night. He knocked down some mid range shots when he was wide open. Like, He's a shooter. He has a good skill set. He has a role. I think the hype around it was Otzelberger bringing him over and Otzelberger basically deciding in the offseason, David Jenkins is the number two guy on a team that that he thought could compete in the Mountain West, and that's just not the case. He's a shooter. That's what he is, right. and he's lived up to that. He hasn't lived up to the idea of being a true number two option on a Mountain right. West team.
1: Right. No, all good points. Um, and it also points back to, again, I thought – the perception on the outside was he's going to run the team. He's the guy, you know, he, like you said, I mean, because of what Bryce did the last few years, you might run through Bryce, but Jenkins is going to be the person in situations. And it just, again, it just, you know, promotes the point that they won't have Zayon Collins and they absolutely need someone to run this team and to be the guy that's going to, calm things when it gets kind of chaotic and I just don't think they have that and again it just supports the point in the offseason whether it's Juco, whether it's whether it's Porto, whatever, he's got to get all his staff on finding a guy like that. They have got to get that to
0: compete next year at any level. Alright, coming up next, JR Starkus makes us a drink.
1: Ready for the weekend?
2: It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking.
1: Let's find out what's on tap.
3: With JR Starkus,
2: champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming
1: out. At JR Starkus on Twitter, and Instagram at JR Makes Drinks. It's the K Account Executive, Southern Glazers Wine Spirits Nevada Extreme Exologist here, along with Liquor World. Get all your products at Liquor World. Hello, JR.
3: Good morning. You hear me? Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, we got we got you. We did at eight <laughs> o'clock. We uh, had to cancel, but uh, by eight thirty, we were bringing you back. So thanks for uh, uh, compromising there and, and getting back with us today at 9.30. What's going on?
3: It's great to be back. No it's uh, you know it's cause for celebration. We got some good news in the world of uh, high school athletics yesterday. so uh, oh, no. you know there's there's some there's some good there's some good things happening. We're in the right oh, no. we're making we're making progress.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen this nonsense from parents about uh, hashtag don't be don't be following this nonsense. hashtag. Uh, forgotten class of 21. there's also forgotten class of 20. this has affected all peoples of all walks and ranges of life would you not yeah. agree with that?
3: Oh no absolutely' it's, it's affected it's affected a, a, a lot of people you know um, I- at least in in my perspective it's what I think a lot of parents are probably thinking is like okay last year we get it like you, we didn't know anything we didn't know anything we you know people were all over the board some more paranoid than others and that still exists right? But um, as, as things and, and, and people have been able to form their opinion over the last well almost a year now, um, you know, I think a lot of people, especially in the high school athletics department, are like, okay, um, being able to assess as a parent the risk, um, we, they, we're able to think like, okay, I think the risk is pretty low. Um, maybe, you know, for, for, for some other, more than others, you know, but those students who are completely worried are able to opt out. Um, but for those that aren't worried, um, I think they're they're saying to themselves, "We we already forgot the class of 20, you know, unfortunately. But let's not let's not re- let it repeat itself as we know more information here."
0: And I are you think. mad at the hashtag? Is that what I just heard there? You I, think mad at a I, hashtag? Think I think it's a stupid hashtag
1: because. <laughs> there's a lot of kids in 20 who missed their last season and Mm -hmm. they were, you know, they're forgotten also. I mean, let's put everything in perspective here about how this has affected the entire country and every, every walk of life. So I saw that hashtag the other night. I'm like, well, there are also kids in 20 who will never get to play high school sports or high school sports again. And good for the kids this year, but let's just put it all in perspective here.
3: Well, I think too, I think a lot of the, uh, the confusion for the, the, Frustration for parents here, at least in, in Clark County, was look around us. You know, um, with the exception of California, most other states are playing, um, and so they were. People were like, "Okay, well, even our other counties here in Nevada are playing. What's going on here? Why can't our kids play?" Um, so that was a big point of frustration. And and yeah, I mean, the, what, the, the hashtag is the hashtag, but I think that's that's where they were getting off was, "Hey, what what the heck's going on? Why can't our, why aren't our kids not able to be out there and, and playing?" So we got the good news yesterday that they're going to start going back to the hybrid learning and they're going to be able to start their spring seasons. There is a bit of bad news attached to it, obviously. They don't allow any spectators, which is another point of frustration, of course. Oh, uh,
1: uh, no. Is that going to be another hashtag? Let us watch?
3: Yeah, let us watch.
1: <laughs> hashtag you know? let us watch 21. Is that what's coming next? Well, just
3: don't just don't get mad when I'm flying my, um, oh. my drone above the field so I can oh. watch the game. So I, you, you know, you're going to have...
1: You can have another Twitter uh, uh, project here where every game you're like, let us watch. And you have some kind of weird uh, uh, drone out there taking pictures.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It'll be great. I mean, we'll talk about it every Thursday until we're able to watch. It'll be fantastic.
0: Your drone is going to crash into a ball that's destined (laughs) to go over the fence and you're going to ruin some kid's home run.
3: The last thing you want me attempting to do is flying a drone. That's for sure. Like
0: (laughs) it better, there better be two
3: buttons fly and hover like <laughs> that's uh, all all i can that's all i can arrange like i've tried those things they're uh, much respect to anybody who can actually fly a drone with any kind of accuracy those things are incredible i can't do it i
1: i was absolutely uh, hoping against and now that tyler said it you fly it your kid hits a, what a would-be home run it crashes into that stupid drone and you have to see that kid at night at the house when he walks in
3: he'd be furious <laughs> at me he's furious enough when you know, uh, since we're superstitious in our family, very superstitious, like if, uh, you know, because of recruiting and stuff like that, anytime he does play, you video everything, right? And I'm sure you remember that. Eddie probably did the same thing. And and you video everything. So, you know, there are days, you know, it's baseball. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you get a hit three out of 10 times, you're an incredible player. Uh, But there are days, you know, where some players, you just just don't have a great day. So, you know, he'll get up and maybe he won't look great at the plate or won't look comfortable. So there's been a couple of times where my wife has, been at the game. It's, you know, sometimes it's one or the other. She'll be at the game and she'll be like, ah, I don't, I'm, I, I, he doesn't look good. I'm not going to video. And then the next that battle hit a home run. And then he's like, did you get well, that on video? And my wife's like, no, I didn't. I... <laughs> and then she says, you can thank me for your home run because I didn't video it. So this, be this is a big back and gonna, forth in our family.
1: This is going to be great because you can't watch. I want this kid coming home every night saying four for four, two doubles and a triple. Too bad you didn't see it. And no matter what he does, no matter what the yeah, kid and, does, and, I want him to come home and tell you that and then go to his room and not
3: talk to you about it. <laughs> well, and in that case, I'd be like, "This is awesome." I won't. I don't know if I should ever go to a game yet. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, weird, know? weird,
1: weirdness. All right. Well, congratulations <laughs> to you and the hashtag parents out there. Listen, uh, we did. <laughs> Tyler and I saw your tweet this morning and were somewhat confused. Here we are with Jaris Darkis, uh also uh, brought to us by Liquor World. Somewhat confused as to what we're doing today. I just saw a yellow blob of something that could have either been your drink or a picture of the coronavirus. I'm not sure what it was.
3: <laughs> so, you know, it's, been, it's weird because in, in our industry, you know, things will just happen to go like for everything. It'll just like, things will just keep coming up. It'll go on runs, whatever the case is, right? So recently, for whatever reason, people have been bringing up in one form or a fashion like limoncello. Whether it be like, hey, spring's coming, I want to do something with limoncello, or hey, I'm an Italian restaurant, I want to do something with limoncello, or hey, Jerr, I'm thinking about making my own. It's it's been coming up a few times in just conversations randomly, and so that's what made me think about today. I was like, all right, well, you know, what the heck am I going to do with this limoncello? You know, some it seems like a lot of people <laughs> have like a bottle buried in their freezer someplace from you know maybe somebody brought it over at one point for a party or whatever, and they put it in the freezer and they left there. Jägermeister yeah, is the same thing. Every, look in your freezer, you have one in there, you know. Um, and so it's, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, maybe I'll do something with the limoncello because people, um, you know, other than drinking it as, a, as a, an aperitif or a digestif um, or uh, to accompany some sort of an Italian meal, like most people don't drink it other than by itself. So I just wanted to kind of make the point of like, hey, if you have a bottle in your freezer or at the house or on your bar, um, you can certainly make great cocktails with it. And. And it's 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 easy to work with, and they're a lot of fun to play with, and they're all very different. There's a lot of different brands of limoncello on the market. They're certainly not all created equal, um, and they all taste different from varying levels of of tartness from the lemon and sweetness from the sugar. Um, the alcohol levels vary, so there's a lot of different kinds on there. So they're 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 not all created equal. So have some fun with them.
0: Tyler, do you have a bottle at the bottom of your refrigerator what, that someone I'm gave sh- to you? I'm trying to figure out what the hell limoncello is. I don't even know what it is. <laughs>
3: So, so G-R? limoncello is uh, generally speaking from the from Italy, from the Amalfi coast or in those that area, uh, the Amalfi coast or the uh, Naples area, and it's it's essentially alcohol, lemon, sugar, and water, and so it's 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 citrusy and lemony. It's also kind of sweet, and it's also got plenty of alcohol in it. And it's a lot of fun to just drink on its own, but it's. Um, it's also able, you're also able to work with it in cocktails, makes a great modifier. Um, and as you know, in Las Vegas, you know, yesterday and the or two days ago, it was springtime. Then it got into, uh, the hurricane season last night and now it's cold again. So it's hard to determine what will be the springtime cocktails, but we are starting to get into springtime and we are starting to get into what we reference in the industry as, uh, patio season. And so patio season is, just, is coming upon us. So lemon cello. Is is something that everybody should ha- have in their arsenal as far as the cocktail is. I Closest
1: thing Jared... I ever got. Closest thing. Yeah. Does Jared have it? Because the closest cool. thing I ever got to that was trying the Italian accent over the Irish one night at a bar. Oh okay. Jesus Christ!
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I heard you break that out earlier, Ed. That, uh, that was that was special.
0: <laughs> I just hope Jared hit his head so hard on the counter when I asked what <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what Lemoncello <laughs> is in disappointment. <laughs> You've never had limoncello? Yeah,
2: like, have you never been to an Italian restaurant ever?
0: Yeah, the last time I did, I fainted, so I haven't been back. Yes. <laughs> fainted? Fainted? Is, I got, is Chick-fil-A I got a, Italian? No, no, I got a fainting issue, JR. I've fainted <laughs> twice before. Um, we don't really just know randomly? why. All, yeah, yeah, just randomly. Um, once was a holiday uh, holiday party in 2019 with Lotus, so yeah, it's... uh. I faint every now and then, and the last time it happened, well, first time it happened, I was at an Italian
1: restaurant. It's it's comparable to you, Jr. If they didn't let those kids play sports yesterday, you would have just gone down like a uh, like a, a shot out of it, like you're a deer shot in the woods. Uh, it's Jr. Starkus from on Twitter at Jr. Starkus. Uh, so what do we do with this Italian drink here? What do, what what do you what can you do with
3: it? Well, the nice thing is is that it pairs it pairs wonderfully with almost any spirit that you can think of right so if it's vodka if it's gin if it's rum tequila um you know what, whatever it may be it it will pair quite nicely even brown stuff even you know cognac and, and bourbon it'll it'll pair nicely with because it's just a citrus component modifier in a drink um but you know as we approach the the spring season and the patio season i start thinking about um when i build these cocktails i think about the stuff that's in the stores right you are going to have fresh fruit, uh, berries, uh, you're going to have peaches and plums and all that kind of stuff as we approach the summer. Uh, so, you know, for me, something with strawberries and limoncello, strawberries and lemon go well. So take, you know, for for you take your favorite gin, for instance. Um, for me, there's a lot of great gins on the market. I'll use botanist gin. I've used it before. I have used it for a lot of the Raiders stuff that we did as well. Um, I would use botanist gin and do about an ounce and a half of botanist gin. I would take maybe a strawberry or two. And this is interesting because... Strawberries will vary by, like if you buy strawberries right now, they'll be okay, but they're better in like two months from now when it's more in the season. Um, and and the sugar content of the strawberries change. So you may find that a drink like this is something that you adjust because um, as the strawberries become sweeter, then the drink will modify itself because you'll have obviously more natural sugars in the drink. So, you know, right now you may say I'm going to use two strawberries and then in two months from now you may back that down to one because the sugar content, if you're so inclined to to balance it. Uh, but I would use, you know, a couple strawberries, muddle those together with some uh, some of the botanist gin, about an ounce and a half of botanist gin. I would add three-quarters of an ounce of the limoncello and then add fresh lemon juice on top of it. Lemoncello has sugar in it. You need an acid to balance it. Don't Just because you're adding lemon juice doesn't mean it's going to be overly lemony. You could add lime if you want, but lemon works well. Um, so add three-quarters of an ounce of lemon juice and then just a half of an ounce of, of a sugar of some sort, simple syrup or agave nectar, will work beautifully. Shake them all together, pour it over ice, maybe top it with a little bit of, of club soda to make it kind of stretch it and lighten it up a little bit. So it'll be very lemony, refreshing, fizzy, uh, and, and kind of perfect for the summertime, patio, warmer weather uh, season. And, and and it's nice because it's 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 flavorful. It's not heavy. It's very refreshing. And uh, I know you like it when I use this word. It's sessionable. You can have two, three, four of them without feeling overwhelmed um, as, and being too heavy.
0: Are there other flavors besides lemon?
3: Yes. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's rasp cello on the market, there's oh. cello on the market, there's orange cello on the market. So there's a lot of different flavors of, um, of cellos, if you will, on the market. Uh, generally to me, things that have like a rind, like lemons, limes, and oranges work best because when you're making a lemon cello, it's not about necessarily the juice as much as it is as about the pith on the lemon. Uh, or not getting the pith on lemons about the skin. So you're infusing those peels, right, where in a peach you're more doing like the whole fruit kind of infusion. And it'll still work, but I like the bitter or the tartness of the the peels of the lemon or the lime or the orange or grapefruit, if you will. Um, I like the way that that comes through. I like the acidity that comes through in that for me. Um, So I prefer those over a, a fresh fruit like a raspberry or a peach cello.
0: Uh, can you say the name of the raspberry one again for me? Raspicello? I've got a the other ones. They took, they took the entire name of the fruit, but on this one they decided, no, no. We only need yeah, part of long. the name of the fruit.
3: Yeah. <laughs> raspberry cello is just too long. They're like, Raspicello is good. That's fine. You know what I'm talking about. Strawbicello, <laughs> maybe Strawcello. <laughs> Straw-cello. <laughs> or strawberry. Who knows? I don't know. But
1: It's kind of windy to be lawn chair time. What are you talking about? It's kind of windy. Well, yet.
3: that's what I'm saying. Two days ago, two days ago, it was perfect. It was 75 degrees and beautiful. And then the hurricane came through last night. And I'm, I'm, I, as I'm standing here in my home, <laughs> uh, looking at my backyard, with which used to be a backyard, which is now things upside down everywhere because the wind came through. Um, and then today's cold again. Uh, so hopefully, you know, in a couple of days, we'll get back to the 75 degrees and, and no wind and enjoyable patio weather.
1: I mean, you got to have the good weather for the kids to play sports. I mean, they can't go out in the wind. I mean, uh, we'll get more hashtags, wind to go away. He's JR Starkus, at JR Starkus on Twitter, Instagram, at JR. Makes drinks brought to you by Liquor World every Thursday. Thank you, buddy, and congratulations.
3: Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Bye
1: bye. Oh, Ed, you are Uh, so
0: angry at the hashtag. Oh, the hashtag. Forgetting the kids from 2020. Come on. Ed is, Ed, is the, Ed is the hero, the class of 2020 <laughs> yes, yes, I am going to give the commencement speech, bringing them all back for 2020 and how we miss those poor kids. All right. Coming up next, Ed, I've got a gritty story for you.
3: Oh. Let's end the show with something sweet. This is The Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit.
0: A couple got married at Lake Tahoe at the same time as the Bruins and Flyers game.
2: This has been the dessert menu brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today
3: at SilverStateCU.com.
0: Cassie? It was well, not Cassie, you, know what, so you know what's dumb.
1: weird about that? It might have been back to back days because when we got taken over on the bus, remember I told you it was like a military, we had to go through security and walk in a straight line, or we were like kicked out. <laughs> we got to a certain point where they stopped us before we get to the water. And before the game started, and someone actually said, hey, uh, don't, get in the, don't get in the shot there. This is a wedding. Like they were taking pictures. So <laughs> it might have been back-to-back days because that was the Golden Night Day. And someone was always get, also getting married that day at that place.
0: According to this story from Greg Wyshynski, there were two weddings. One was on Friday and one was on Sunday. Okay. Um, and But because they got married on Sunday at basically the same time as the Flyers and Bruins game, they have wedding photos with Gritty. Oh why, oh, why wouldn't you? I'd make him the best man. I'd kick my best
1: <laughs> man out and say, Gritty,
0: you're it. I want the good speech from you at the end. Come on. So uh, basically the way this played out is uh, they had already booked the wedding venue before the NHL tried to play games at this at Lake Tahoe on the golf course. And the NHL – just thought that oh we're gonna go in here and they'll cancel their weddings and they said no we're not canceling our (laughs) weddings so the weddings went on as planned the funny detail here is that the nhl initially was going to play the flyers and bruins at 11 a.m on sunday um and the wedding was scheduled for 4 p.m and so there was plenty of time between the hockey game and when their wedding was going to start But after the Golden Knights game got postponed because of the sun, they pushed the Flyers and Bruins back to 4.30, so the wedding was now basically overlapped with the actual hockey game. And so they got married while the players were warming up Uh. for the game, and then walked over and got pictures with Gritty. And apparently uh, Gritty tried to get rid of the husband and just take a picture with the uh, bride.
1: I'm telling you, I I got married in I got married in a treehouse overlooking a vineyard in Napa, and our good friend Mark Ziegler is my best man. Had Gritty been there, Ziegler would have been pushed off the tree. I would have pushed him <laughs> off that tree within two seconds and had Gritty stand right next to me, baby. That would have been awesome. It would have been great. Would so, you have even gotten married? Would you have just married Gritty nah, instead? Yes. I mean, it would have been like, hey, Bon, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It would, it's been a nice run, but Gritty's here.
0: She I mean, might have said no to you at yes, that point, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> oh, he's the best. Nothing like him. So, uh, yeah, don't uh, don't schedule your wedding for where the NHL is going to randomly throw an ice rink down <laughs> and try to play a game, or else you might have to get married while there's a hockey game going <laughs> well, on behind isn't you. Isn't it
1: just? Isn't it just so like the NHL? You're going to change your plans, right? Oh, sure. We've been planning this thing for two years, and our deposit at Edgewood is $75,000. But let us move our wedding, because you guys want to play a hockey game. That's,
0: that's the best part of it, <laughs> is that the NHL just assumed they cancel their weddings. Like, oh, sure. The yeah. NHL's here. I guess we won't yeah. get married today. We'll change our <laughs> the, entire plans.
1: The, the 250 invitations are out, and everyone's on their way. But, oh, my God, there's a hockey game. Oh. <laughs> And you know they thought that. You know at some level the NHL said, well, we'll just say, you know, we're having a good game here and they'll change. Yeah, they'll cancel. Right?
0: They'll do something else. No, no, uh, we're getting married. We don't care about your <laughs> hockey game going on in the background there. Absolutely <laughs> not. So, yeah, well, maybe if you do get married there, you can have Gritty show up. Maybe maybe you could, like, renew your vows at a Flyers game in the future.
1: Oh, that would be great. Oh, my God, how much would that cost me? <laughs> that would be uh, – I, I mean, I can imagine right now, seriously – what it might take to rent Gritty. I mean, I can. Can you imagine? It's probably. I mean, it's like easily. It's easily the most of any mascot. I mean, you know, you know anyone else I like hey five dollars will give drinks. The well, it's five dollars. We'll give the guy drinks. Gritty, yeah, it's <laughs> five thousand to start. What does he have to do? Um, they, they, you know, they're cashing in on that guy. I would be. They I'd have be. that guy at events every night.
0: They better be. Well, I think they yeah. got these wedding photos for free. Oh man, I think what, I,
2: I think Gritty's sort of like uh, Bill Murray. Like it, it, every story you hear about him is probably true, but he probably yes. doesn't charge anything. He just sort of is a like you know, yeah, a, like instigator of chaos. He just shows well, yes. up to your while you're eating a hamburger, eats your French fries and, off yes, your yes. Ta- <laughs> off your plate, and goes, "No one will ever believe you," and walks right, away. Exactly,
0: <laughs> Uh, what happens first? Ed gets his vows renewed with Gritty involved or Cassie Soto gets engaged? Ed. <laughs> oh, that's not a question.
2: I've already <laughs> determined without Mike Ramala gets married before Cassie Soto I mean, does.
1: Everyone is beyond Cassie. Like my son's friend, he was talking to him last night and he's like, you know, he's been with this girl for a really long time, but they're she's still graduating college. He's in grad school, so they're going to wait a little. So the friend tells my son, eh, maybe six or seven years. And I started laughing, I said, Buddy, when she gets the diploma, you're given the ring. She's not waiting around six or seven years. These people with these weird ideas, other than Cassie Soto, you're going down there. Well, and Tyler Bishop, and, and you me. both made that decision. Yeah, but that's a mutual decision. <laughs> no. Cassie's not a mutual oh. decision.
2: Oh, oh, oh. I, I'm pretty sure Tyler, like, he would get married. He just doesn't want kids.
0: <laughs> oh, kids are a disaster. Are you kidding oh. me? Kids. <laughs> Oh my God!
2: He can barely take care of his dogs.
0: Yeah, are you kidding me? We gotta take the dog to the vet this weekend. He's got problems uh, with his ear. You tell you tell me I want the kids? No well, chance. You're going to the vet, so get the chance. All
2: friend. I want, all I want is to you for you to have like a seven year old playing basketball oh. going. And you you screaming, That's an inefficient uh, shot. Yes. I
1: mean yeah, right. Can you imagine the poor kid coming home to like the hour down breakdown of film
0: and the kid's like, Can I just watch cartoons and Absolutely ca-? not. No <laughs> chance. You are oh, sitting there what? and we are going over every play. Oh. Why did you take a fifteen foot mid-range jumper? Take a step back. I don't care if you can't get it there and shoot the three.
1: What your,
2: oh, man. your
1: biggest nightmare would be to have your kid being the kid I coached who went the wrong way every time.
2: No, well, no. Well, if my kid
0: was that incompetent, I think I'd just I think I'd just roll with it. Like, if he was super incompetent, I'd be like, all right, he sucks. Nothing's happening here. Let's let him have some fun. If he was good, I'd be like, get your ass behind the three-point line. But, <laughs> John, you're not shooting from 15 feet. Don't even practice that what, shot.
2: What, what if, no, the worst thing would be if he's Dwayne Wade. Like, he takes long twos, but he's really efficient at it.
0: Disowned. Oh. I don't want anything to do with him. Disowned. Oh. Mid-range jumpers, you kidding me? I don't care if you're going to the NBA. I'm not your father. That is what not a great, my kid.
1: What a great parent uh, uh, advice. Well, if your kid sucks, just kind of roll with it. But if he's yeah. any good at all, you sit that kid down for
0: two hours and break down film. That's right. If you got a chance, if you got a chance, we're breaking this down. Listen, if we can tell early you're not any good, all right, we're just going to have fun. (laughs) You can suck it up, but we're going to have some fun. If you got a chance to go pro, sit down, and we're telling you everything you did wrong so you can fix it. Parent advice from Tyler Bischoff.